watched The Undertaker throw mankind off the top of the hell in the cell and tell me that that's not quality fucking entertainment. Yeah, man. That's nihilism right there. It literally, none of that sounded appealing. I'm going to be honest with you. That match just kept getting better and better. It was so good. This is a piece of shit, though. That guy fucking sucks. Oh, yeah. He, he's carny as fuck. He's the worst guy. But damn, if they couldn't make some entertainment back in the day, I hate to fucking give him credit but sometimes you have to separate the artist from the art yeah mm -hmm. maybe maybe i could start listening to r kelly again if i adopt that philosophy yeah. i don't know with r kelly though he did some pretty bad shit fuck r kelly dude he gave us so many hits oh I'm step so in the name of love remix no royalties are deserved do you know how many times i've watched the entirety of trapped in the closet it's fantastic like three <laughs> 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 you know i don't even know really what i expected you to say but well it's pretty long i mean you gotta you gotta sit through it for a while it's like 19 parts but uh it's an r&b opera do you ever watch the uh the weird owl like stuck in the drive-thru oh god i hate weird owl i i can't what? i think that's oh come on casey i hate i hate joke music other than ray stevens no ray stevens is fucking shit He's the you kiss my genius. ass. You put all the Mississippi Squirrel Arrival right now, and I will fucking goddamn right do a dance right here in the living room, man. The day the squirrel went berserk in that first self-righteous church. Oh, he was the shit, man. I'm not sure that they'll hold up as much as my nostalgia is telling me. I yeah, listened good. to Mississippi Squirrel Revival recently, and it, oh. it it still fucking slaps, man. Mississippi Squirrel Revival is very good. I played it for my wife. She rescues squirrels and shit, and. She was not amused. Did I just hear that your uh, your wife saves squirrels? She does, yeah. We've got two uh, squirrels. They're going to get released soon, and we've actually got a little squirrel who we've released, and she comes back. Her name's Thelma, and she's like, give me a treat, motherfucker. I need a fix. Yo, Jesse, Jesse rehab squirrels. Uh, no shit. We also have a, uh, a chipmunk, but he's a little fucking champion. He's got a mansion. He rules that thing. <laughs> That's yeah, right as hell. Jesse Jesse rehabs uh she she rehabs chipmunks. I'm trying to think she's she's done raccoons, skunks. I think a really? bat. skunks. Oh, that's yeah, so cool, good, dude. Well, the thing is with skunks, somebody's got to look out for the skunks. Skunk, they're so they're, cute. Well, the thing is with a skunk, you like if you're gonna have them any in like in any way domesticate, you have to like de de stink them. Uh, they get glands. Yeah, and they take the gland out. When you do that, you can't really release them back into the wild because they've lost their defense mechanism. So what you do is is you rehab. Them. Uh, and then you you release them to somebody who's going to raise them for basically the rest of their life because you don't release an animal that you you surgically took the, the... skunk meat's good meat man. All right, well Casey wants to eat the skunk. Uh, <laughs> I think that's so a great way to start. He's on the, the other show. side of this. Fucking... <laughs> How do you cook skunk, Casey? Oh, man. I mean, you've got those people in the bayou that that eat like possum and nutria, so I'm sure they have some sort of method of stewing a skunk <laughs> what would go well with well, skunk? Uh, like in a pasta you think or like no 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 it's a, a stew soup? it's a hearty stew Ooh, a stew mm. potatoes celery carrots nice oh, man, thick I'm brown gravy i haven't eaten dinner so Made with that fresh brack brackish water from the well, Louisiana uh, Bayou. You guys, I'm going to have to go ahead and say as gross and interesting as that is, it's really got me wondering about today's topic. I'm just going to go ahead and dive in here. Uh, uh, I kind of um, wish the Sandown Clown 
kind of had like a skunk glands, you know? Yeah. Unfortunately, you, you, he doesn't, but it, you, it would be kind of wish. Did. You kind of wish. But this is the Supernaturally Bad Podcast. Uh, with us today, we got myself, Rob Fenley. We've got Michael Melgar, Andrew Vanoy, and we've got Caseman3000. And today, what is it we are going to go ahead and jump into? Doctor, you have fully activated all the TARDIS's defenses. We can't be too careful, can we? And it would be a terrible tragedy for the universe if it suddenly turned out that I was colorblind. Doctor, release the key to me immediately. Unable to distinguish between the White Guardian and the Black Guardian. Doctor, what do you mean? Look! Don't you see? The White Guardian would never have had such a callous disregard for human life. Of course. Astra, the sixth segment, he would have dispersed it immediately. Doctor, you shall die! Since the 1960s, Doctor Who has entertained viewers with sci-fi stories of a friendly and quirky alien traveling through time and space, often rubbing elbows, maybe even tentacles, with other quirky and sometimes not as nice creatures. Murderous mutants and tiny tanks, living stone statues, cybernetic men, the Doctor has seen and done it all. What if we've actually had an encounter with a bizarre interstellar visitor in real life, though? Sam the Sandown Clown is the story of two children's run-in with a peculiar creature in a colorful costume and his own little flying box that was indeed bigger on the inside. So our source today is the Bufora Journal, Volume 6, Number 5, from 1978. Bufora stands for British UFO Research Association, and they have a ton of great journal entries that have a lot of stories like this, so if today's story is interesting to you, definitely check it out. The Sandown Clown was a strange being encountered by two young children vacationing in Lake Common Sandown, Isle of Wight in the UK, in May of 1973. Casey, what was going on in 1973 in the UK? Oh man, I imagine uh, that was probably the summer that Led Zeppelin was doing uh, there. The song Remains the Same tour, uh, right on the heels of... Uh, what was the Houses of the Holy? So Sam, and they were probably they were home. probably fighting people in Northern Ireland too. I imagine there was a lot of that going down. So I, I'll take your word for it. I have That's no idea. Safe we're, bet. we're very we're very glad for your historical knowledge, Casey. I hope it's wrong. <laughs> you want me to fact check him? Well, I, I I know Led Zeppelin was torn around that time. That's about all, all I could tell you about England in nineteen. Uh, Andrew, as much as I'd like you to fact check him, I would like anybody listening to fact check him. Please, dear God, send us something to let us know if Casey's fucking wrong. I, I guarantee you that uh, John Bonham was fucking some young woman with a fish at that time. Let's Casey leave the uh, let's leave the affairs of of Bonzo in the past, shall we? <laughs> so our story begins with a young girl named Faye. Faye was near Lake Common Sandown on a Tuesday afternoon about 4 o'clock with a boy about her own age when they both heard a weird wailing noise not unlike an ambulance siren. They followed it across the golf links and through a hedge leading to a swampy meadow adjacent to a little used Sandown airport. The noise ceased. As they were crossing a wooden footbridge over a narrow brook, a blue-gloved hand appeared from under the bridge and a strange figure emerged. The figure fumbled with a book, dropped it in the water, then splashed about to retrieve it. The two then watched the figure enter a metallic hut similar to those used on building sites, except that it had no windows. It moved along with a strange hopping motion, with knees raised high. The children wandered off and were over 50 yards away when the figure, which from now on will be referred to as he, reappeared carrying a black-knobbed microphone with a white flex attached. The wailing noise immediately returned, 
this time being so loud that the boy was scared and began to run away. The noise ceased and he spoke into the microphone. The children could hear his voice as clearly as though he were right near them. Hello, are you still there? He asked. And in response to what sounded a friendly tone, they ventured close enough to speak to the oddly attired, quote, person. He was nearly seven feet tall and had no neck. His head appeared to be wedged straight onto his shoulders. He wore a yellow pointed hat, which interlocked with the red collar of a green tunic. A round black knob was affixed to the top of his hat and a wooden antenna were attached to either side. The face had triangular markings for eyes, a brown square of a nose and motionless yellow lips. Other round markings were on his paper white cheeks and a fringe of red hair fell onto his forehead. Wooden slats protruded from his sleeves and from below his white trousers. Case man, what are we looking at here on the screen? We got a picture up and we'll include this on our show notes. What does this make you think of? What are we looking at here? I don't know, man. It looks like it's some sort of fucked up bee clown trying to do stand up. He looks like Jack in the Box. I mean, that's a big guy and all, but... He looks like Jack in the Box with, like, fucked up bird feet. Yeah, he has, like, the three toes. They're really weird. Why is he not wearing shoes? Like, he has all these other clothes. Like, if it is an otherworldly thing, I just want to know what world you can live on with no fucking shoes. I don't know. Maybe he's got, like, really good calluses on his feet. He has a different physiology or physiognomy, whatever the fuck the word is. Physiology, yeah. No, I mean, I'm with you. But from that picture, though, it's like he's not hanging out in like areas that are going to be particularly kind to your feet, I guess is what I'm getting at. And, and he's not wearing shoes, but he has clothes. In that colored photo that you have there, he has a belt, for God's sake, and he doesn't have shoes. He is wearing a belt. Yeah, okay. Like, what world do you have to, like, make a thing to keep your pants on? That's only an Earth this thing. World, they don't have okay. that on other worlds. You don't like, ever see aliens in belts, man. Guys, they always make their shit fit. It's like a jumpsuit. So. It's a this jumpsuit. guy's like, a human being because he's like, you look at the you, you look at the grays. Grays wear jumpsuits predominantly. So you, Yeah, no need for a belt. That's not a real guy. Let, let, let's expand our brains here a little, though, guys. We're not talking about aliens here. We could be talking about interdimensional beings. They might have dominoes. They might need a belt too. Is, is, is this just the first dimension he's come to where his feet have to touch a thing? He Like you would need shoes, goddammit. Let's continue this story because we actually get some great insight into what his world might look like. He gives us some descriptions. His first communication was in writing. Hello. He wrote in a notebook. Hello, and I'm the boy was hesitant, but Faye read each word as it was pointed to. This was necessary as the words were not laid out in a conventional sequence. The children ventured and discovered that the creature could talk without the aid of a microphone, though his lips did not move and speech was unclear, rather like that of a person who does not open his mouth properly. He asked the children about themselves, so they ventured to ask questions too. They asked about his clothes, which were all ripped and he told them he had only one set so he could only wear those. Because of his strange white features, they asked if he was really a man. The answer was a chuckled, no. They also asked if he was a ghost. The vague reply was, Well, not really, but I am in an odd sort of way. 
What are you then? They continued, but only obtained the answer, with no further explanation. He also said he had no name. There were others like himself, and he drew a rough sketch of one of them. He also confided that he was frightened of people and scared they might hurt him. Apparently, if attacked, he would not fight back. I mean, he's not a ghost, he said. So the kids asked if he was a ghost, and his reply was, not really, but I am in an odd sort of way. Some interdimensional being kind of shit. This guy's about to ask for money for UNICEF or some shit. Let's just clear out. I wouldn't. <laughs> There's some pitch coming after this. I we got, can just we got, tell. We got a uni, they have a UNICEF center just like out in the middle of the boondocks. He's just like. You never I'm know. This... It's some kind of statement and everything. And he's like, and you know, for just a couple pounds a day, you boys oh, could uh, you boys could be feeding other clowns like me in uh, Slovakovania. Motherfucker. UNICEF fucking shit. <laughs> anyways him being him being a ghost or an interdimensional being would make a little bit more sense with regards to the fact that he didn't have shoes on honestly though if he was begging money off unicef that also makes sense for shoes but he's in the middle of nowhere this is this is a pretty a pretty rural area they're in right yeah they are mm -hmm. and they're they're like on a golf course uh like it's a nice area next to like an airport yeah, they're they're just off a golf course, but I mean that's that's like the place. So what what state again is this in? It's the Isle of Wight. So this is an island slightly south of London. Okay, so it it's hidden from the eyes of 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 people who would give a shit. It's off the beaten path. It's for all intents and purposes, it's removed. Honestly, a, like an interdimensional being, that's that's like the place for them to jump in. Like you don't want to jump in in Times Square. You would want to jump in in a place that you assume nobody's going to be. A golf course? Well, no. The thing is, though, is that that's a, it's a golf course, sure. But as far as an interdimensional traveler is concerned, they may just see that as grassland. We don't know what the like the future topographical maps are going to say. Like. It could be, you know, how many people are on this per year or whatever. They could have said, oh, shit, like, this is a great place. Like, there's 16, 17 people per year who show up on this plot of land. This is the place to go. I bet the kids were like, oh, come on, man. Let's play through. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. It's the last, it's the last green, man. Let us just play only, through. Only, yeah. only Casey gets the sports jokes with me. I appreciate that. <laughs> Yes. Okay. So yes, they, they, they want to play. The, but the thing is, is that if for, for anybody who's ever been dragged along on a long running golf game with their parents, it's very easy for a kid to be like, yo, there are creeks, there are lakes, there are things around I want to fuck with. And the dad is for sure just gonna be like, don't tell your mother, run off and do your shit. I don't care. So that makes sense to me that there would be like this golf course there. The kids are the only one who saw them because the kids are the only ones who don't give a shit about golf. We're going to get into that, Rob, too. Like there are people in the area that we'll come back to here in a little bit. I want to come back to the uh, idea of, you know, the kids asking him if he was a ghost. And he basically says, kind of, maybe. And then he, they ask him again, like a bit more directly, what are you then? Like, I'm walking away. I don't, I don't like this. I don't like when they do all this on, cagey on, shit. Just on, be direct I mean, about it. Casey doesn't like anything KG. That is what it is. When he says, you know, is it like a, you know, like a flirty, or is it like a, you know? 
Oh, it's definitely the latter. I actually interpret it as the, uh, the first one. As you go through this story, he actually sounds very sensitive. He's a sensitive cryptid. He's not scary and intense. Like, his appearance is kind of scary. But the way that he's talking to these kids and some of the stuff that he tells them, it sounds like someone trying to gain favor with, like, children, which obviously there, there's obvious pedophilic jokes here. But if we're, if we're taking this story coming from Bufora, this well-documented case, this does appear to be, like, a, an actual living thing that is communicating with them this way and is saying things like, Hello, and I am all colors, Sam. But then comes back and says that he has no name. I agree with you, Michael. I, I don't think that it was necessarily a a sinister, you know. I think that it was probably more of a, like a whimsical, you know. Like, no, there was some drama to it. There was a, you know, as in possibly it was like Faye from a alternate timeline or some shit like that. I don't know. There's got to be some high drama in there. I, I agree. I, I think there was maybe somewhere in between where maybe he was being warm and friendly, but then I get this like this uh, intonation that he's being like very chill when he says this. I agree with Andrew that it would sound serious. At this point in the in the in the overall narrative, I'm not sold on the concept of purely like predatory pedophile. I like I would be sold on the concept of this is something from somewhere we don't understand and we don't we don't know. And at this point, it's like one of the first few interactions it's had with truly sentient beings where you like it can communicate with. You know, like that it's I'm not of like I'm not of your realm, right? And then I'm not out to hurt you, but I'm not what I'm I'm not what you would expect to come across in the in the in the forest. On a related note, Rob, I was listening to an episode of this podcast named Astonishing Legends, which covered this topic as well. And they compared it to the uh, folklore of Pied Piper, essentially like getting kids to follow him with like all this music. And Casey stuff. brought that shit up earlier. He was talking about the, the, the pan flute and stuff. And look at those faces. I assume we're going to post this with those. Yeah, kids that's an artist are... representation for what yeah, it's Those wearing. kids do not look happy. Those kids look like they would punch their fucking ears out with ice picks if they could. One thing that I thought was really interesting that I would like to hear what you guys think about. One of the first things that he says is, hello. And I am all colors, Sam. But he didn't actually say it. He wrote it on a notebook and it was out of order. And he was pointing to the words as Faye was reading them. What do you guys make of this? Why do this? Why deliver the message this way? I don't know. Maybe he didn't understand how to auditorily communicate yet. Maybe it was that kind of thing where he doesn't think linearly like we do. And he was pointing to it. Okay, you think linearly. Hold on, let me help you. I'm figuring it out. Let me communicate with you. I got that same impression, Andrew. But still uses a pen and pad. Well, he you can still write it in pad. English. Yeah. yeah. See, that's that's the curious <laughs> yes. part to me. That this happens a lot too, by the way. I think it's the groundskeeper just went to sleep in the shed around the fertilizer for too long, and and that's not he's having a laugh or something. That's not unique to the Sandown Clown. This is something that we should all keep in mind as we cover any UFO-related topic because they speak the language of wherever they're at. Uh, oftentimes they say this is telepathically. The Sandown Clown, however, first he starts out by pointing at words and having Faye read them, but then he actually speaks. They don't see any lips moving, but he does actually speak. So my brain goes automatically to like, what's the meaning behind pointing at words first, written on a piece of paper, versus saying what he means. 
Well, they, they get into that because he's holding the microphone and he talks loudly and they, they mention that he sounds like he's not intonating properly. He's not able to like move his mouth correctly. So I'd say that at least lends itself to the, I'm learning how to do this kind of thing with you. And he finally figures it out. This dude's about to pop his trunk and start selling mixtapes, man. (laughs) My guess is this is, this is the, uh, the, the world interpretation of, uh, what's his face? Ah, oh, the dude from from Power Rangers. I just had him. Uh, he's, he's not Ultron because that was what my brain was thinking. Uh, Zordon. Zordon. There we go. Jesus Come on, Christ. Bro. Zordon. Yeah, it's Zordon. It's, it's Zordon. Zordon. Like before he found his glass casing, when he was a Power Ranger himself. Well, it was. Oh before, it was no, dude. Was... Zordon was a was an old dude's head on like the a uh, fucking like gray nutsack body or whatever you yeah, don't remember the, the movie it looked like a yeah i remember the movie but these kids these kids were from <laughs> a ways behind what we're at so it could have been him and then he found the kids in angel grove from angel and they grove, fucked yeah. up right and we might yeah. we might see another sandown clown show up and we're like ah, oh, fucking fear it it might just be zordon ready to give us a fucking morpher and i'm i'm ready dude yeah Rob, same you- same could be a power ranger Rob, you actually bring up a good point too, like what culturally this may have felt like to them. And we have to remind ourselves right there in this small town out in the UK, they're on a golf course, but this is also culturally prior to clowns being scary. When it came out, that was sometime in the 80s, right? That's when like this ramp up of fear of like clowns and like John Wayne Gacy, for example. But this was prior to like people viewing clowns as scary. So to them, this might've actually been like a comforting sort of thing in a weird way. And this is also before this like, perspective on like stranger danger nowadays we would say like watch out for strangers don't go with anyone but back then i felt like kids were a bit more trusting of adults or, or like authority figures so it's interesting i think uh, to consider that in, in the context of the story what's he looking for this is an extra dimensional being who's shown up unprompted what what is the goal of of sam the sandown clown he's exploring why the fuck do UFOs come to here anyway? They're coming to figure something out about us. Yeah, Andrew they can Rover. fucking like, fly. We don't know that Sam can't fly and shit. Listen to the next part of this story Michael's going to tell you. Yeah, we're actually about to get into more about what Sam was up to while he was out here. At his invitation, the children crawled through a flap into his hut, which contained two levels. The lower level had plenty of headroom and was wallpapered in blue, green, and covered with a pattern of dials. It also had an electric heater and simple wooden furniture. The upper level was less spacious and the floor was metallic. He told the children that he fed upon berries which he collected in the late afternoon. He didn't say where, but did indicate that he had a camp on the mainland he could go to. He also said that the water from the river could be drunk once he had cleaned it. Once inside, he removed his hat to reveal round white ears and sparse brown hair. Before eating a berry, he performed an odd, quote, conjuring trick. He placed the berry in his ear, thrust his head forward, and caused the berry to disappear and reappear at one of his odd eyes. Repeating the process, the berry traveled to his mouth. It's pretty fucking These weird. Fucking stupid ass kids. <laughs> Why, Casey? Stupid as fucking children. Oh, here's a fucking clown out in the middle of nowhere, happy as can be with a fucking microphone. Go in his hut. Yeah, absolutely. Eat some fucking berries that he gives you. Sure, why not, you little fucking idiots? 
He was eating berries, actually. Like, he wasn't giving them to the kids. Like, he they'd was... never seen this before. Like, you, you've seen it. You've seen Bozo the Clown. You've seen all sorts of crazy shit that has made you scared of this. But a lot of these kids, like, they were living away from that shit. Like, that there wasn't a whole lot to make them scared. I don't care if you've seen it or not. There's something objectively fucking off-putting about this shit. And there's no way that any sort of outside stimuli should affect your decision making. You see a fucking weird ass looking dude. He's got wood hanging out of his pants. I mean, Jesus Christ, he's 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 not a ghost. You know what he is. He's sort of like a ghost. Get the fuck out of here. Then you go in his hut. Yeah, you're gonna get disappeared. You're gonna get eaten or something. That I, I there's no point in any of it. Just fucking get away from him. These kids, they shouldn't have had this much of the story to tell. There should have never been this much of a story to tell. This much story to tell about Sam the Sandown Clown? They should have gotten to the name. They should have darted the minute they saw this motherfucker. Here comes Hoofty Goofty walking around with his fucking microphone and his clown face. (laughs) Who the fuck is Hoofty Goofty? Hoofty Goofty was uh, one of the, I don't know what the term is for it now. The term for it then was freak. Uh, I know that's not what we would call them now, though. That's not a nice name. Like some kind of jester or... Something he like was that. big and tall and lanky. There's there, there's just no You're reason. You're big and tall, motherfucker. The only thing we don't have is lanky. What are you talking about? <laughs> what am I talking about? Look You're at the big. picture of the dude. Look at You're the picture. Big of the dude. You're going to tell me that guy's don't, what is don't, this don't give me this all. Approach it with an open mind bullshit. This guy looks like a fucking serial killer. You kind of look like a serial killer too, bro. Yeah, that's why I don't expect people to come into my fucking hut. <laughs> Hello, and I am all colors, Casey. Yeah, uh, I, I think I think Casey would probably live in a hut uh, and and lure kids in to eat them or bring them to another dimension. I like I feel that. The children talked to this strange being for half an hour. Then, after saying goodbye, they rushed across the golf links to tell the first man they met that they had seen a ghost. He laughed but the children were convinced of their experience and that the being was either a ghost or someone dressed up. Faye told her father of the experience three weeks later. At first, he found the story quite unbelievable, but was amazed at the detailed account and Faye's certainty to its truth. She was quite upset when he suggested she'd make it up or invented it. Mr. Y, Faye's father, saw the boy but found him not easy to communicate with. He did get a statement from him verifying that he had seen it too. Apart from make-believe, other possibilities considered include a shared hallucination, by the way, that's, that's called folia do, and a deliberate hoax by someone. There was such an extraordinary amount of detail, however, which included the further point that the creature clearly had only three fingers on each blue-gloved hand and three toes on his bare, white feet, making a deliberate hoax somewhat difficult. And why go through all that trouble? Mr. Y tells me, although bizarre certain elements of the story rank true to him, he also took account of the possibility that, that there might be some connection with his own previous experiences. Summing up, he says, I get the impression that Faye was somehow taken into a bubble of alien reality created by this strange personage. He told them he had just made the hut. Mr. Y visited the spot but could find no metal hut anywhere in sight, nor any indication of one. Also, Faye told me that while they were talking to this ghost, two workmen nearby were repairing a post. 
they paid no attention to the weird charade as though they could not see it. Ghost? Spaceman? Imagination? Hoax? Or hallucination? Just a child's make-believe? Take your pick. So guys, we just heard the story of the Sandown Clown. I want to take a step back and hear everyone's thoughts about what is this? An alien? A cryptid? Is it a person in a costume? And why go through all this trouble of, of setting up this scene? What are your thoughts on this, uh, uh, Rob? I, w- I want to start with you, and then we'll go over to Casey. Well, to be honest with you guys, I mean, out of, out of all the stories we've covered so far, which admittedly isn't a, a, a lot, but with Sam the Sandown Clown, I am, that is the, is the first true interdimensional being that I'm willing to believe in. Can I say I'm proud of you? Yeah, you go for it. I mean, I, I feel so proud right now. My thing is that the the story is too creepy. The story is too specific. One, it was a pedophile. They would station themselves near somewhere where prey is readily available. A golf course is not one of those. You're going to get nothing but like old people. Like I go golfing on a golf course. They want you to shut the fuck up. Who's dealing with a kid? With that said, I would also say that another, I guess another big, pointer towards it being an extra dimensional being would be as an extra dimensional being what you're going to see is like a map of the area you're going to see i assume probably if you're if you're from a dimension that's future you're going to see the population density or whatever you're going to see something like a golf course and you're going to think i can show up there that's not going to be a big deal so interdimensional being you're, you're sold that the sand down clown that's what it is yeah, that's my that's my soul. I I I don't. I, I love it. I dig it. I won't say pedophile. Let's let's just let's just call it interdimensional being. We haven't even explored the option of an interdimensional pedophile. Let's just hope that that doesn't exist. Christ alive! Please let it not exist. I think that's a good segue to hear Casey's opinion. Caseman three thousand. What do you think about Sam the Sandown Clown? Oh, he's he's, he's a nuisance. He's a nuisance with all his, his, his vague his vague shenanigans and his fucking shorthand or sleight of hand magic. No. You think I don't... he's like a you think he's a Scooby Doo villain? He's some kind he of sounds like he's one. He's some kind of grifter. <laughs> he's some he's a he's a, he's, a, he's a dirty old groundskeeping drunk or something. You know, I don't I don't know what he is, but whatever he is, he's he's a he's a blight on the community and he needs to go away and stay away. I'm honestly in shock because Rob took the Casey standpoint here and said that this is an interdimensional being. Casey, you're you're it's it's an old man on the on the something about this guy just raises my ire. Something about him, I just don't have the patience for this kind of this kind of fella. Casey, you know, send a different one. Send I know you if, if there's more like him, send someone else next time. Don't send Sam. Send like Tim Elliot. Send, send literally anyone but Sam, because this dude showed up and made berries go in his ear and fucking beatboxed on the mic. No, no, don't send, like, that's, you're not conveying any messages that way. That's ridiculous. Don't, I, whatever he is, I don't know what he is, whatever he is, I don't, I don't need him around. A beatboxing groundskeeper sounds just as unlikely to me as a multidimensional being. Casey, so I just want to confirm your, your belief here. So you're saying that this is definitely not anything otherworldly. This is just a, a person who is out to have fun that day. 
Oh no, it could very well be another worldly thing. I, I'm just saying that I, I don't like the way this guy does business. Okay, you're not even disputing so much what he is. Yeah, don't. I mean, w- what a disappointment if you were visited by some interdimensional creature <laughs> and this is how it behaved. This motherfucker's work ethic is in question for Casey. <laughs> this motherfucker. Just come up with a better pitch next time, man. Don't show up with all this fucking foolishness. Casey, but here's the thing that concerns me about this. These types of encounters happen to those that are not prepared for them. These things show up, like in this case, kids. You could have been this, this nine-year-old child. And then it starts talking to you like, like Sam does. You're an interdimensional traveling being, and you can't spend a fucking week on Duolingo before you come here? I don't, I don't think so, partner. <laughs> It's 1973, motherfucker. Oh, well, if he's a space-traveling thing, he's probably got the most updated version of the app. Probably has Duolingo Plus, too. I don't know about Sam, though, because Sam has those wooden slats. Remember, he has, like, wooden furniture in his in his place for some reason. We didn't even touch on that, that he just has, like, wooden furniture on. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> it's just disappointing, I guess. I don't know. I just don't have patience for this guy. Casey over here is just like the Carl Pink Pilkington of like supernatural shit. He's like this this alien is not, this alien is not impressive enough to me. This oh, son of a shit. bitch. Like, what's he done? Casey starts giving him pointers. No, goddammit, you hold the mic like this. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Listen, I accept that the there are definitely aliens out there. We can't be alone in the universe. I just don't want the shittier ones to come here. Yeah, none of us do, but I mean have you looked at our planet, bro? The shittier ones are the only ones that's going to show up. On that note, Casey, last podcast on the left calls them single-use cryptid. Like they only show up once or maybe like two or three times in, in its entirety. They probably got back to the office and they're like, what in the fuck were you doing? Yeah, they probably laid him off. Yeah, first time to Earth and he fucked it up that bad. So I think for me, the thing that makes this a believable story is that it perfectly fits the mold of of what's called high strangeness. I've said this phrase before, but if you guys haven't heard this, it's a term coined in 1969 to denote UFO cases with multiple factors which cannot be explained by conventional means. When I'm thinking about this this story, right, everything seems very allegorical. And if you read a book like Passport to Magonia by Jacques Vallée, this is one of many times I've referenced this book, if you read some of the accounts that he has on this book, they all sound very similar, like different looking creatures showing up to like a wide variety of different witnesses, but they all have this degree of high strangeness. And it, it all seems to be about the impressions that it leaves you with, not the explicit message, not necessarily like I am all colors, Sam, but like the way that it was written out and the way that he chose to communicate that versus speaking out loud. This is the type of stuff that seems to be the point of all this, the subtle influences that it has on society. To me, that's really more of what it makes me feel like. It feels like when you watch this David Lynch movie where things are not spelled out for you, it feels like this gut feeling, like this subconscious thing. So I think that it's not about understanding it logically. I've heard it described as like a program being run on your operating system. And I think that when we see an event like this, it's meant to influence us in some form or fashion, if anything else, to create folklore. And for what purpose? That's another conversation altogether. But if you really think about the effects that this has on society to think that something like this is possible, how does it help us? I I don't know. I think that's the the subconscious portions of it. But 
All that to say, because it fits this mold uh, of high strangeness, I, I very much believe in it. I think that the absurdity is actually what makes it more believable to me. I'm with Rob here. I think it's an interdimensional being. I don't think it's an alien. I think it's something that is perhaps a part of another dimension or, or something to that effect. It eats berries. It's so rare that I get to be a part of the popular consensus. Andrew, tell us, tell us what we're missing here. Give us some, give us some background. Um, Love so, God, please. Yeah, so as we heard the parent, I don't recall if Michael established this or not, forgive me. They're the so-called Mr. Y. They also insisted on the anonymity of the child whenever they reported this back. This happened in 73. The issue of uh, Bufora came out in 78. So Faye's a pseudonym. So there were, at the time, no reported sightings of UFO, UAP, or any terrestrial-based vehicles around the area. There were no evidence of any sort of dwelling being that area as well. So the little magical tin hut or whatever was not there. There were allegedly some electrical workers uh, working on telephone poles or electrical poles, whatever they had at the time, claimed to never see anything out of the ordinary, but maybe they weren't even looking for it. But the children that reported this as adults still allege that this story is true uh, in private. But one thing to note, and I believe you mentioned this very early on, Michael, is that this golf course is very, very close to the airport in Sandown. So it could be very well that there was some sort of operation where they're working on a transformer or something. I don't know if you guys have ever seen this. Whenever they're working on a transformer in really hot days or really rainy days, they'll put out like a HUD or some kind of like little tent or something like that to make sure that while they're working on the, the electrical operations, they're shielded from the sun or the rain or whatever. It's more likely rain in England. So it could just been that some guy was goofing around with these kids and they made up the other details. But one really, really important thing to mention is that Mr. Y himself has had multiple extraterrestrial encounters himself. At one time in 1970, he seeing an enormous aircraft. It was encircled to seven different lights with a central light that was, he called it bright, like a cherry red in the center. And then said that this vehicle remained parallel to him for about 300 meters. And it alternated between red, white, and turquoise lights. Once he made it to his destination, his friend also claimed to have seen it in the woods. Also in 1972, he reported seeing two yellow balls of light like eyes of a sea monster, as he described it, when viewing the tides in the cliffside in Compton Bay. These lights were also approximately 40 feet away from him, and then once the tide subsided, so did these lights. So there, there's no actual full explanation. There's no gotchas here, but I would like to at least throw in here that very similar to our last episode where Gary had his dad and his uncle involved. There's a running thread of that there's family involved somewhere in here, whether it being possibly that, okay, for some reason, family are experiencing all this stuff at the same time, or possibly dad's putting them up to this kind of shit. You know, you never know. But I just want to throw that out there. I think that's a really critical thing that there seems to always be this family thread in there. I'm so glad you said that, Andrew, because as you mentioned, that could serve to discredit it. Maybe dad himself put on this costume to come out to his kids like this. So there's always that as an option. 
I personally don't think it because from everything that I've read, there's actually much more connection between families and paranormal experiences. For some reason, this is something that runs in families, like almost like a gene. And I can actually attest to this, guys. We'll do an episode at some point where we'll each tell our, our own like paranormal stories. My family has a crap ton of shit that's happened to them. Like each one of my family members, it's this whole thing that seems to follow families. For me, that factor, while it could go one way or the other, to me, it serves to back up this claim because on the surface, it might make it easier to dismiss this whole story. But if you look into it deeper, it seems to be something that happens to all these people. That is one takeaway. I would say talk to the weird seven-foot creature with three-toed feet and try to get him to talk as much as possible about why he's saying that he's all colors and why his name is Sam, but he doesn't have a name and why he eats berries that way. Don't take the Casey route here and push him away. Bring him in. Well, when you get fucking jetted off into space in this dude's cosmic shit shack, don't come crying to me. Bro, I'm going to have a good-ass time on that shit shack. I mean, it could be pretty fun. I mean, I've seen some Doctor Who. It looks like a fucking jam. Imagine flying through space with that guy, though. I don't know, man. Sam the Sound Down Clown strikes me as, like, he'd have, like, an N64 plugged up to a projector. I, I have a very different take on Sam than you do, Casey. So, guys, that, that's the end of our story of Sam the Sound Down Clown. A lot of fun, as always, to, to read about this strange stuff. Again, this comes from a Bufora journal, and we'll, we'll link this in the show notes. Sam the Sand Down Clown, he's fucking nasty. It doesn't matter what you, what, like, well, like what you think of him, really. I mean, obviously, we've got Casey believes his thing. Andrew believes what he's got. We've got Michael believes his thing. And to be fair, I, don't, I, I ain't got a goddamn clue, to be honest <laughs> with you guys. But... <laughs> but, at, but at the end of that it's been another episode of supernaturally bad podcast and we've been your host if you if you have any any other kind of experiences you've got with us by all means please please kick it our way we're, we're happy to have it yeah guys we're going to be doing the georgia guidestones next which funny enough we started talking about this a few weeks prior to what just happened recently with the guidestones being blown up I'm yeah, they got still... fucked up by a white man. Dude, the Godstone really story. Uh, I, I know I know the Godstone story. I don't know. Wait, I'm yeah, sorry. Casey, is, 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 is it fucked up to say they got fucked up by a white man? I feel like white men are like, that's that's what we get to make fun of. I, I feel like the white man fucked things up. <laughs> no, I think no, as a white yeah, man, white you can man, make fun of a white man. Yeah, the white man's yeah, definitely. fuck a white uh, man. <laughs> white man's definitely in play. We, we need to take a, a few we, lumps, we, I think. We need to take the, our lumps, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. With with the guy's sons, we had a cool white guy who put some shit up, I assume. But regardless, we had a uncool white guy who fucked him up. So Maybe he was a cool gray guy who was a name with him. I mean, the, 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 best, the, the best you could come up with is that it had too much knowledge and the aliens came down. They said, no, nah, fuck this. But I really don't think that they came to Georgia and said, ah, there's too much knowledge here. Let's fuck that up. <laughs> yeah, so we'll tell the story of R.C. Christian and the Georgia Guidestones on our next episode. And Andrew and I are also working on our Twin Peaks rewatch series. As always, guys, reach out to us at thisherepodcast at gmail.com. 
to share your own creepy stories, offer corrections, ask questions, make comments, make topic suggestions. We'd love to talk to you. Send Rob some pictures of your dick. Hate mail. If I don't start getting anything, pictures of a dick, some penthouse swarm, anything, I'm going to start being really inflammatory on here because I'm just going to assume that nobody gives a shit. You're going to start being inflammatory? <laughs> yeah, they have to that's, cut that's, it. That, that, that they, implies they that you me. cut it off at some point. Yeah. So send your dick pics to 706. That's not my phone number. Send them I all, give you mine. Yeah, that's Is Michael's that your phone, phone number. number, Andrew? No, it's Michael's phone number. Mm-hmm. Blast it into the airwaves. Send them over. You can't fuck with Michael's phone number. I've signed him up for no less than six different dating sites. <laughs> I've made a lot of friends off of that, Rob. Thank you. End us on a catchphrase, Casey. Bangarang, you motherfuckers. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Thanks, everyone. Have a great night, day, evening. Bendejos. Bendejos. Peace out. Bendejos. I'm not fucking leaving. <laughs> This has been the Supernaturally Bad Podcast. If you'd like to get in touch with us about a topic we should cover, or just reach out to chat, send us an email at thisherepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. Pendejos. Pendejos. No. No, wait. Pendejos.